Welcome to the Yak Brothers Fantasy Football Podcast Show, bringing you over three decades of experience to dominate your league. Please welcome your hosts, Jimmy and Andy Yakubuski. Hi, and welcome to the Yak Brothers Fantasy Football Show. Before we get started, let's pause for a moment of silence in honor of legendary Tunch Ilkin. Rest in peace, Tunch. Tunch was a Pittsburgh offensive lineman, two-time Pro Bowler, played in Pittsburgh from 1980 to 1992, played a final season with Green Bay Packers in 93 for retired in 1994. Tunch passed away after a long fight with LS at 63 years young. Welcome to our first episode of the Yak Brothers Fantasy Football Show. I'm Andy Yakabowski, two-time Steel City League champion, and uh, truly glad to be here. And I'm Jimmy Yakubowski, commissioner of Steel City League, going into our 16th season. Together, we bring you over 30 years of experience in fantasy football, helping you to dominate your league. And Jimmy here is pretty much the mastermind behind Fantasy Football League. He's basically the godfather to the uh, scoring league system. Um, it's been 16 years in the making. He's really fine-tuning to a pretty uh, entertaining competitive model for us and our buddies. We've kind of taken, um, and this has been progressive over time, as far as having kind of like a weighted system with, within our league. Um, we have a very comprehensive roster um, including IDPs. Um, but as far as what I want to kind of hone in on today is majority of leagues out there have the standard roster. We can get into more comprehensive things in a Q&A or anything in the future episodes if you have any questions for us, and we'll definitely give you, give you feedback. Um, but to talk about standard roster, and I just like to call this segment the curse of the standard roster, um, just jokingly, um, I know the majority of leagues out there, yes, are standard rosters, but a lot of times whenever you're picking your starters, you have nine starters. You have one quarterback, two running backs, two receivers. You have a tight end. You may have a flex spot and a kicker and one team defense. Um, but then you have seven bench spots typically, so it's 16 total. Um, a lot of times after your starters are chosen, you may have your magazine. You're just checking off the rankings. And, oh, I'm done. Um, my bench doesn't really matter. I got my starters. I'm set. Um, a lot of times that can you can run into pitfalls as far as not recognizing um, potential backups to the starters. You may have injuries. You may have poor performance. Um, there's so many, uh, so many different, let's just say, um, you know, mishaps that can occur uh, within a season and – it is not too late to salvage your season in fantasy football if you kind of got lulled to sleep. I know a lot of drafts may have already happened and, uh, and occurred with a game, first game starting next Thursday night uh, between the Cowboys and Buccaneers. But one thing you can still look at is the potential for really attacking that waiver wire to salvage your season. Um, so we're going to look at a few uh, pieces of information that can to really keep in mind going into week one yeah standard rosters uh is pretty interesting i was just in a work league which uh the guys that work pretty much just twisted my arm and wanted me to join so i went ahead and joined standard league we all get together we're at the bar everybody's on their phone uh uh drafting a league 
somebody decided to pick up a kicker around six. Uh, I laughed and put in the chat. I was like, who's the moron that grabs a kicker around six? Well, apparently half the league already grabbed a kicker. Uh, so, yeah, as a general rule for all you new fantasy guys out there, uh, always wait till the last round and draft a kicker. I don't care how much you uh, are in love with Justin Tucker. Yes, Justin Tucker is is one of the best kickers in the NFL, and he may get you fantasy points. But a lot of leagues have actually cut out kickers uh, because their opportunities for scoring are very random. Um, so looking at things, when you're selecting your standard roster, it is not a paint-by-number type of process. Um, when you're talking, oh, I drafted a QB, I had two running backs. Now, it's, you're not going down a checklist. Um, you really need to pick backups for those skill positions prior to selecting a kicker. That is very critical. So you want to make sure you have as deep a bench as you can, you know, maybe another quarterback, uh, another running back or two, a couple receivers, um, to really back up those skill positions because even considering bye weeks, it, it's critical to make sure you try and maximize your points week to week. I've noticed a lot of GMs um, get really excited about rookies every year. Um, it just seems like it never fails. You got two or three guys that are really high on rookies. They take them really higher up early in the draft. And, uh, for me, rookies is something that sort of, it's a minefield. You got to walk gingerly through. It's very rarely that you have rookies actually performed actually very, um, high results. Um, big Ben, Patrick Mahomes are two quarterbacks that come to mind to do that. Jonathan Taylor did it last year in running back position, but they're very rare. Speaking of, of rarity and as far as, you know, fantasy point expectations for being a GM. Um, when you're looking at the draft, that the college draft in April, um, you have people getting selected first round. So automatically you think that's going to translate um, into major fantasy points in your fantasy football league in the, at the pro level, in which, yes, they're very talented players in, in round one. Um, but Considering certain positions, there's uh, more of a learning, much more of a learning curve, um, especially when you're talking quarterback positions, um, wide receiver positions. A lot of times they don't break out till year three, um, but receivers have broken out. You know, probably the the latter half of the season, more like after the first eight games. Some have even you know really ended the season really well. Uh, for instance, Justin Jefferson and Chase Claypool last year. Um, one thing to look at, too, is um, at the running back position, that's probably one position that may translate more often than not than other positions as far as real breakout potential right out of the gate. Um, I think of Chris Johnson, um, years past for the Tennessee Titans. I believe his rookie year was 2002. Um, Andy, you have to check me on that. Um, I actually had drafted him years ago as a rookie and got me big points that, that season. Um, so this year I'm kind of looking at players at the running back position. Um, Najee Harris, one that comes to mind, you know, not to be too biased being a, a Pittsburgh native. Um, but, um, I think he's going to do really well for the Steelers. Um, he brings versatility at both receiving and rushing. Um, he's almost like a Derrick Henry 2.0 coming out of Alabama um, so I'm really excited for him this season. Yeah, speaking of being a Pittsburgh native, I'm really interested in this year in seeing the Pittsburgh receiving core, uh, not only as a fan and seeing the Steelers win a ton of games, but I'm really curious to see 
how those uh, the dynamic trio in Pittsburgh pans out to fantasy. It's been very interesting to see uh, people draft them to see where other GMs give value to these guys. Of course, you got the three, the big three: Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, and Chase Claypool. Uh, who do you go with? A lot of mouths to feed in the city of champions. So um, breaking it down, I would say targets goes to the slot man, Deontay Johnson. As we know, Big Ben loves the slot. If you remember AB back in the day, Deontay Johnson is just pretty much just a upgraded version of that. Um, Claypool and Juju can stretch the field. Juju would draw double coverage as he did last year. Claypool will be left open on the deep ball. That's why I like them in that order. Fantasy value-wise, Deontay, Claypool, Juju. When you're talking strictly the Steeler receivers, um, really, especially when you're talking Chase Claypool, like the different receivers really bring different abilities, uh, skill sets to the table. And obviously certain things that are biological uh, that are determined as far as the measurables on, on Chase Claypool being able to you know, catch a jump ball and uh, with him just being um, with his with his size uh, at receiver can can really, uh, you know, get up and get the ball um, at the high point compared to the other receivers. Um, but one thing that is really intriguing to me is the Steelers selection of Pat Fryermuth in the second round um, to to he's a really great receiving tight end come out of the uh, Penn State. Um, and he definitely has great hands. Um, a lot of things that you would see across different articles last year, a lot of complaints about there's so many drop balls. Um, specifically, they would try and call out Eric Ebron with having a lot of those drop balls. They were kind of wanting to really draft somebody early on at that tight end position because we know back in the day people would chant Heath. Well, now maybe they can chant Mooth. For Pat Fryermuth to really bring in some great hands out of Penn State. Muth, you hear it here first on Yak Brothers Fantasy Podcast. Muth, I like it. I was a huge fan of Heath Miller back in the day. I got another story for that about Heath another time. Right now, I want to talk about Cam Newton. Where will he land? I mean, the whole thing is rather bizarre because one minute he's competing for the starting job for the Pats, which he looked like he was their guy. I thought he looked like he was back in MVP form. He had great mechanics, he had crisp passes. Uh, he looked great. And then the next minute, he's completely cut from the roster. So where will he land? There's been three reported teams interested in Superman. Cowboys, Texans, Washington football team. The Cowboys have signed QB Will Greer. So I don't really see him landing there anytime soon. I know they plan on Dak having a very successful, healthy season. So I wouldn't expect Cam to land there anytime soon. And that's barring some sort of major injury. Legal troubles to climb over before he can take the field. Uh, also, Watson and Newton have similar play styles. Uh, they both do like the run and gun, play action option, etc. So Houston could be a fertile ground for Cam Newton to show up. Washington football team. They got uh, Fitz Magic back from COVID protocol, and but Fitz does have a history of being injury prone and a track record of inconsistency. They may love the idea of getting a potential starter as Cam for backup money. Uh, could give them you know some insurance. There's also an absurd report out there that I read. Um, is one of the reasons they cut Cam is because Mac Jones needed to help him learn the playbook. Um, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Many camps, especially guys in the same positions, learn the playbook together. So I think it's just a ridiculous report, and uh, I believe we all know why they cut Cam. And this issue is kind of personal to me because I'm in a super flex league 
we can start two quarterbacks, um, one in our QB1 spot, and then one in a super flex QB wide receiver running back tight end slot. I drafted Cam in round four. I know a lot of you standard yahoos would laugh at that, but Cam Newton would score mega points in our league as we do a 10-point bonus at 300 passing yards, plus to give him, we get rushing yards, uh, 10 points at 100 rushing yards per game, and uh, six points per touchdown. So, I mean, to me, Cam looked like he was back into his MVP, MVP form. Uh, Cam's great, like I was saying. Uh, so right now he's on my bench. I'm not dropping him yet. I'd love to see where he lands because um, there's at least seven QBs I could name that are worse than Cam and probably going to get a lot of haters out of this, but Andy Dalton, Bears, Teddy Bridgewater, Broncos, Carson Wentz in the Colts with his banged-up foot. Hasn't been good since he uh, dropped the ball in Philly. Daniel Jones and the Giants and Sam Donald with the Panthers. Uh, Sam sees ghosts on the field, if you remember that Patriots game. Tyrod Taylor Texans, enough said on that. Also in Houston, it's been reported they're day-to-day there uh, with how they're handling the Deshaun Watson situation. Um, we're hearing they're planning on trading him, and Miami is pursuing him pretty hard. One thing that really intrigues me is when Andy spoke about Washington football team. Um, their head coach, Ron Rivera, um, former head coach, Carolina Panthers, when Cam Newton was MVP, uh, whenever they reached the Super Bowl against the Broncos, when he was officially dubbed Superman. Um, at that time, Ron Rivera being the head coach, is is there a mystique as far as, like, does it come down to, you know, coach and, and player chemistry there, especially at the quarterback position? So as far as Washington football team pursuing him and like Andy spoke to the inconsistencies of Fitzpatrick, um, he's definitely had some magical games. He may throw for 400 yards, four TDs uh, for a few games. And what has kind of happened in the past is kind of when it rains, it pours, Um, throws for four picks. not all are, are his fault. Um, it may go off somebody's hands. All of a sudden, there's an interception or two. Um, he may get put on the bench be, and due to uh, inconsistencies uh, in the production, um, Cam Newton may be uh, a sought-after um, potential option as a, an eventual starter. Speaking of starters, one thing that's gotten really scratching my head this year already is injury reports. I mean, we're not even to week one yet, and you have some bizarre stuff going on out there. And um, in Indy, you got Carson Wentz, who broke his foot a month ago. They call him out indefinitely for the season, going to miss the entire 2021 season, and now they're saying he's questionable for week one. They're expecting him to play. I mean, what voodoo doctor did they take him out there in Indy? Or did they just realize Jacob Easton is their backup quarterback? I mean, what are they like, you know, Carson Wentz on one foot is better than Jacob on two? Or maybe they just were like, hey, you know, Wentz, get out there under center and hand the ball off to Taylor. Because we're not sure Jacob Eason could even do that. And to just kind of change gears a little bit as far as injury reports, two really stand out in my mind. Um, I'm sure both of these individual running backs went extremely high in in several drafts um, across the country. J.K. Dobbins for the Baltimore Ravens and Travis Etienne for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, As far as Dobbins, came on super strong at the end of last season. 
we have Gus Edwards that kind of emerged into a starter role now. Um, he has a total of nine receptions in three seasons with the Ravens. Um, so as far as the versatility with rushing and receiving, um, there are a lot of concerns there as far as being a, a dual threat back. Uh, the thing about Travis Etienne is he got drafted with his um, kind of like partner in crime, I guess you could say, when the, playing together at Clemson with with Trevor Lawrence as a starting QB. They already had played those years at Clemson together, kind of already got a feel for each other and, and uh, you know, where they would need to be, kind of like the, the unsaid, um, you know, chemistry and following a, a playbook. So with Travis Etienne being out for this season, reins fall back on to James Robinson, who, who really thrived last year. So it's going to be very interesting to see as far as how uh, Robinson does with uh, Lawrence under center. All right, we've reached the, uh, near the end of our show. It's our Q&A segment. Uh, normally, we'd go out to the fans on this one, but today we're going to go. Uh, it's a self-Q&A with me and Jimmy. So question I have for you, Jimmy, it's the uh, week one hasn't even started yet. My question for you is, uh, what is your Super Bowl predictions? AFC, NFC, Super Bowl winner. What's your predictions, Jim? So if I had to look at each conference uh, as far as kind of like the front runners uh, in the AFC. Um, definitely I'd have to um, always consider the ever dangerous Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I could see them going back to the title game. Um, they just have you know, on even the defensive side of the ball usually doesn't get talked about as much as Mahomes airing it out, but they've uh, done really well in shoring up some some holes on the defensive side of the ball um, to be dangerous on both sides. Um, another team I'm looking at as far as the potential um, for taking them on in the AFC title game either would be the Tennessee Titans and, being a local fan, Pittsburgh Steelers uh, versus the Chiefs. Um, Tennessee brought in Julio Jones from the Atlanta Falcons, uh, so they are are really have weapons there uh, for for Ryan Tannehill uh, between AJ Brown and Julio Jones, and then King Henry in the backfield. Um, so offensively, you expect them to be able to hang with with m- most teams, if not all teams in the league. Um, the Steelers as well, um, really bringing on some offensive weapons. Um, Najee Harris. Uh, in the backfield, can do it all, uh, running, catching, um, first-round pick out of Alabama. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, really King Henry 2.0 um, with his style of running. And then we have um, Pat Fryermuth I talked about earlier, really bringing great hands to that re- tight end position, along with the plethora of, of talented Steelers wide receivers. They can also – um, hang around in if it does get to a, a shootout, but their defense is strong as well. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a Chiefs Steelers AFC title game. As far as the NFC, um, one thing I'm looking at is uh, there have been a lot of uh, let's see changes to the quarterback position. So 
Stafford goes to the Rams. Goff comes over to the Lions. You have Jalen Hurts coming up for the Eagles. Um, do you see a repeat of of uh, Tampa Bay getting to that title game? Um, no. <laughs> not really sure. Um, you can you can never rule out Tom Brady, uh, obviously, with his track record. And I just did. <laughs> with uh, six rings. And... Just threw up my mouth a little bit. They're always a contender uh, in in my mind. Just kind of what they proved last year when I thought there wasn't going to be a, a Super Bowl win there. Um, highly surprised me that they got it together so quick. So NFC, who takes it, Jim? NFC, who takes it? Um, AFC, you said what? Steelers, Chiefs, and what? You yeah. said Chiefs win it or Steelers? Which one was it? You mentioned Super Bowl. Um. I'm going to reluctantly say at this time. Um, do you go with the heart pick or do you go with? To really go with any pick at all. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say that this time because I think it's going to come down. No, I will. Steelers, Super Bowl. Whoever has the home field advantage I think will be the victor in that game. If, if the Steelers can really work their schedule and come out on top in their division, um, I see them not losing a home game with a terrible towel. All right, so so we both agree. Steelers, Super Bowl 2022, got it. Um, so you got the Steelers and the AFC. Who's taking the NFC? Who's going up against black and gold? Uh, there are some in- intriguing teams in the NFC. As far as a clear-cut um, winner for the NFC, uh, that that's a really tough. Sophie Stadium, home of the Rams and Chargers this year. That's a really that's a really tough. Does call. that deter you either way? That's a really tough call for me right now to to, to even pick an NFC team. That's going to. All right, I'm gonna go with the Rams. The okay. Rams at home, with their big D going against the Steelers. Super Bowl. Yeah, that's how I go with. That's my prediction. Steelers, Rams, and of course Steelers win. It's now seven bird. Seven is heaven. I'm gonna throw out uh, <laughs> <laughs> a, a wild card pick, I guess if you want to say, um, with the retirement of Drew Brees, uh, that Jameis Winston won't miss a beat uh, with with his uh, big arm uh, passing ability. This and is a good call, very dangerous one. Michael yep. Thomas comes back fresh, supposedly week seven. Um, Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is yeah. is always you know Mister consistent, always right on it with the production he's always putting up week to week. No I agree. I agree. The Saints are very very dangerous. So I could see the Saints uh, as being a, a front runner in the NFC right now. If, if you had to really twist my arm. Very interesting. So Andy, just kind of a a question to to wrap up the show here with Week One just around the corner. What are your projections? And you don't have to give me them all, just kind of a couple of your heavy hitters this week. Your expectations for two boom choices that would be highly productive this week and two busts that you're going to predict this week coming. Um, I'm going to have to go with, uh, I think, a big boom this week, which um, uh, unfortunately I'm going to keep them on my bench just because – I don't, I don't really uh, – I'm not 100% in on it, but I think Big Ben's going to have a huge week, uh, week one against the Bills with his receiving core um, playing Buffalo. And I also really like uh, Dak Prescott. So there's two QBs for you. 
I think Dak's going to have a huge game. I think he's going to get 100 yards on the ground and probably at least uh, 250 to 275 through the air. Who are your bust candidates? Uh, two bust candidates. Let's see. Um, do I go with – are you asking me, like, who people think are going to do good that's going to bust or who do I just think should do good and, and, and doesn't? From what you've read with a, a general consensus with – projections for doing really well week one who do you think is going to kind of fall flat on their face I've seen some projections out there that deandre swift is going to have a huge year and a huge game in week one uh i would disagree with that i don't really i'm not really flying too high on deandre swift uh i think he'll be he'll crack maybe double digits this week in week one um second bust of the week travis kelsey with the Chiefs, people love that guy. I'm not saying he's going to be a total bust week one, but I think people are expecting 20 to 25 points out of the guy every week, and I, I, don't, I don't see that happen. I think Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman, that receiving core will be coming to its own, and Mahomes has matured as a more um, pocket quarterback, so I can see him really uh, you know, hitting that deep ball to those guys a lot more than uh, having to rely on his tight end, Kelsey. Good luck to all the GMs this week. Thanks for tuning in. That's our show. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next week. This has been the Yak Brothers Fantasy Football Show. Signing off. You've just listened to the Yak Brothers Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. New episodes every Tuesday. Oh, yeah. They make me so hot.